Hi there, and welcome to Gay Men's Life Lab, the podcast that's all about personal growth for gay men. My name is Buck Dodson, and I'm a licensed therapist and board-certified life coach who's committed to helping you thrive. Each week, we go all in on what it takes to live a full and healthy life with loving relationships, engaging work, a sense of purpose, and all the joy you deserve. And of course, we do all of this with our unique perspectives and experiences as gay men. So before we get into today's episode, if you want to learn more about me and the topics I discuss on this podcast, please visit buckdodson.com. And with that, thanks for tuning in and let's get started. So guys, welcome to Gay Men's Life Lab. I am super excited to have you all here. I've known about these guys for a long time. So this is David Otten and John Schneider of DebtFreeGuys.com. And so welcome to Gay Men's Life Lab, guys. Thank Hi, you. David. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited to to dig into personal finance and the LGBTQ community. And us uh, too. Yeah, I mean, you guys are like the go-to guys for this. So before I go like any further, I just want to read a little bit about who you are, so the listeners know. And so again, David and John are personal finance authors, bloggers, and speakers for DebtFreeGuys.com with over 35 years of combined experience in finance. Their work has appeared on CNBC, Good Morning America. Yahoo Finance, Business Insider, and Forbes, to name a few. That's a, that's a, a mighty list. Um, their podcast, Queer Money, which is awesome, is the premier show talking about the financial nuances of the LGBTQ community. And their mission is to build a financially strong LGBTQ community and to help all folks live fabulously, not fabulously broke. What, what? <laughs> what, what? I love that, by the way. Um, I'm going to hire you guys just for me. Um, no, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, before we kind of dive into your story, because that's a part of what is so compelling about the, the debtfreeguys.com or debtfreeguys story is you all. And so listeners know David and John are husbands, partners. So they are a couple, a gay male couple, and which is a part of what Gay Men's Life Lab is really about. It's about relationships. It's about gay men living well. And so I love the fact that I get to feature a gay male couple on here. You're the first ones, by the way. Oh, no, uh, wow. So that's exciting. <laughs> and you're in business together and you're serving the community. Oh my God, it's a trifecta. We can never be separated. It's almost like there's this, <laughs> especially after this year, after 2020, right? Oh my I think God. We yeah. are starting to grow together. We're going to become symbiotic. You're going to become twins. one, right? <laughs> I was actually thinking about you guys last night and I was like, how do they do that? Like, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. So that, which reveals more about me probably. So before we dive into your story and get into personal finances for the LGBT community, will y'all just share with listeners like what you all offer through debtfreeguys.com so that way we know. Definitely. Yeah, so we started debtfreeguys.com as a way to first of all kind of share our experience and what we were doing and seeing in the personal finance space. Uh, when we originally started, we will say that we were not um addressing many of the issues of the LGBTQ community. Um, we were never hiding that we were a gay couple, but we wanted to talk about personal finance because of our backstory. Uh, and so as it has grown over the years, it has become the place where people go to for information about personal finance for the LGBT community, especially because of our own backstory. We tend to tend to uh, draw a lot on experiences for gay men, um, but we do have a lot of information, anything from 
budgeting and paying off debt, which is our story. We really focus on the idea of paying off debt because mm. debt is a huge burden to living fabulously. We all want to live fabulously. So that's our primary yes. focus is helping folks pay off their debt. But we also talk about investing, starting their own business. Our Really, our goal, like you mentioned in the outset, is to help people live that fabulous life. And that can come in many different forms. Mm. So we do offer courses on how to improve your credit score, how to pay off debt, how to start a budget, how to talk to your partner about your personal finances, how to get mm, on the same page so with your partner financially, because that's a that's a big question that we often get. And then, as you mentioned, we also have the Queer Money Podcast, which is one of our ways of actually diving deeper into some of the discussions or concerns around specifically the LGBT community or sharing stories of other folks in the LGBT community who either have overcome their own challenges or success stories that we should be highlighting or giving a voice to folks in the community who don't necessarily have a voice. I love that. That is so important. And so everyone can go to debtforyouguys.com and find out everything that you all do and, you know, learn about the courses and get all the tools, which we're going to talk about some of those obviously around, you know, getting out of debt and things like that, that are available. But so let's dive into your story. You had, <laughs> David, you had said, you know, part of, uh, you, you know, you all had your journey into this. So what was your journey into debt and out of debt? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, so John and I got together and like most couples, when you get together, we didn't talk about our finances and mm -hmm. we were in that kind of initial puppy love phase. And then we moved into the honeymoon phase and then the post honeymoon phase, right? So one weekend, we decided to go up to the mountains in Colorado. We were living in Denver. Uh, John had a friend up in the mountains. He and his girlfriend lived up there. So we went up to visit them. We went to a small ski town, Winter Park, which if any of you have ever been to Winter Park, is this cute little ski town. Uh, both of us had been there before. It had not had that much appeal to us. But all of a sudden, for some reason, I think as a couple, we looked at this as a place like, wow, this is the perfect place for us to have a vacation home. So we kind of rolled around with this idea and talked about it while we were on vacation. And on Sunday, we decided to stop and look at real estate on our way out of town. Looked at real estate. We wanted to think about buying land and building a vacation home. I love modern architecture and I want to build a modern home. Mm -hmm. We left town. We started heading down the mountain towards Denver. And it seemed like our conversation as we dropped in elevation went from this fantasy high of buying land, building a home, to buying something that was already in existence, to maybe renting or going up for long weekends, to the time when we pulled up in front of our home in Denver. And we were literally at this low point where we said, we are financial messes. We can't even afford to go up there for long weekends. What are, mm. What's going on? We opened up the door to our place. We literally walked down a flight of stairs into a basement apartment. So here we were, a couple who were working in financial services, at the time had a, roughly about 15 years of financial experience, telling everyone else what they should be doing with their money, how they should be saving for the future, setting aside money for big events in life. And we were not doing any of that ourselves. And the reality was, is at that point, when we got to our place, we confessed to each other that between the two of us, we had $51,000 in credit card debt. And it was really a low point for us. That was our, our aha moment when we said, look, we are literally like physically 
living and financially living in a hole. Our lives are not going where they want we want them to be. They, we did not we could not see a future for ourselves if we continued on the same path that we were going for those years before that. Mm. Yeah, so that kind that was our aha moment. That was when we came out of the closet to each other about our finances. Up until that point, probably for about a year and a half. I mean, I knew what my financial situation was, but I didn't know what David's financial situation was. And I was certain that, well, he's in financial services and he can't be as bad as I am. He must be doing better. And I see the way he spends, so it must be going fine. Um, But that's exactly the same conversation he was having in his head about Mm. me. So when we had that aha moment, we started to have that discussion of why isn't our life going in the trajectory that we wanted it to go? Why were our friends, more often than not our straight friends, getting married, having kids, buying houses, building houses. And here we were literally deep digging ourselves deeper and deeper into a a hole. Mm. And that kind of started the conversation for us. What is it we really want in life? Why are we here? What are our goals and ambitions? You know, all that, all those sort of uh, questions. And it was a very poignant conversation to have because up until that point, we were sort of living for everybody else. We were simultaneously Mm. trying to make up for our past of being not entirely accepted, of being abused and accused of, you know, going to hell when we were, when we die and Mm. pass away and all these kind of negative emotions. Um, We carried that to adulthood, but then it was also when we finally found our queer community, we were so insecure about ourselves and we wanted so desperately to fit in that we felt if we didn't, live up to the gay stereotype if we didn't have all the the right cars the right houses the right Right. clothing go to the right parties that we wouldn't fit in again and so we had these two competing forces which we realized in hindsight got us the position that we were in so we asked the question of what is it we really want in life and that took about two or three months until we really realized the truth but ultimately Mm -hmm. we realized that we wanted to save for a comfortable retirement We wanted to travel much more extensively than we had at that point, but we wanted to do it in a way that we didn't come back with a credit card hangover. Because up until then, every time we would come home from vacation, we would eventually get the bill in the mail and then we would regret the vacation. Yeah, (laughs) then it just like ruins the whole thing. Now we need another vacation. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Now we're depressed. Number three, we wanted to be able to give back to the LGBT community. And Mm. up until that point, we would always give to the community, whether it was $50 here or $500 there, depending upon what the event or cause was. But when we did that, we were hurting ourselves. So community-wise, it wasn't a net positive. We were staying flat at best through yeah you were giving kind of from a from a hole i guess right, right. Our, our 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 cup mm. wasn't overflowing so we didn't really mm. have anything to give we were just depleting our own cup which doesn't actually help the community at all mm. and um so we, when we finally realized what our goals were that's when we could start to align our spending with our goals uh, and that was one way that we were able to start building ourselves out of that fifty-one thousand dollars in credit card debt wow i mean i'm just really moved <laughs> by the even the visual of the way the story goes from being on the mountain and like the dream and the vision and then walking into the basement apartment and then having this really tough conversation. And I mean, kudos to you guys for deciding together to address this. I mean, cause it could have gone in a, a very different direction, but something, right. something in, inside of you guys, it, clearly where you were meant to come together and, and support each other through this. I, I think that what we were fortunate that at the time we 
and I, we still are this way, but we, our relationship was so strong that we wanted to work on it together. Mm. We wanted to have a future together. And so we, I think you said it, kudos to us, but I think it was kind of that, you know, the world kind of universe sometimes brings everything together right at the right time. And I think that maybe that was the right time because uh, mm. I had just come off of being laid off, getting a fairly large severance check that could have lasted me for a while. Uh, but I blew all of that in about four months. Instead of getting another job, I decided mm. to take the summer off and spend it with a girlfriend <laughs> of mine. We sat by the pool and had margaritas most days during the summer. I was living this fabulous, you know, rock star fun lifestyle. Sounds great. <laughs> right. But then I blew through all of this severance pay and mm. you know, we're talking about more than $10,000. And then that, I think that also left a hole in me like, what the, what the bleep did I just do with, with all this money? Why did I do this? This is stupid. And so I think that coupled with this talk, have, finally having this conversation, we were just like, this has to change. Yeah. And, that, and were you guys the first people to really reveal to the other about your financial struggles? So I know that's an issue. It's just the secrecy and the, the, the isolation if you're in debt or struggling with money. There is so much shame uh, around debt in, this, in our society. But one of the things John and I always say is, remember, more than half of American households have at least at least five thousand dollars in credit card debt. So mm -hmm. if you're if you're thinking you're the only one, you're definitely not alone. But our society is built on showing off about how successful we are, right? I mean, that's part of the Absolutely. reason why John and I got into this into this hole was because we were so uh, motivated to show everybody that we are that perfect rainbow over our heads, gay couple <laughs> that right writing writing on our unicorns, everything about our lives is fucking perfect. Yes, right? exactly. When it wasn't, but we were financing all of that, and that's mm. why we say, "Don't live fabulously broke." Because so many people in this world today are living fabulously broke, so they can oppress everyone else. Yeah, it's so interesting because you know I've been working with gay men and for 15 years now, and have been gay for longer than that. Um, and, <laughs> you know, have seen, and of course, I have seen firsthand the the impact of what you guys are talking about. Is this like first we're rejected, you know, in our, our families of origin, and then we, you know find our queer tribe. And then we're so terrified of being rejected again, that it's just like, we're, you know, we're willing to really do anything, including get into debt to maintain a status or getting into drugs or whatever it might be just to avoid that rejection. So it sort of starts as something that, you know, is survival, but then it shifts. And so you guys realized we want more. And I love this idea of like, we wanted, we decided we wanted something for ourselves. And the course we were on wouldn't get there. So when you guys started to, I mean, how long did it take you to get out of $51,000 of debt, of credit card debt? It took us, a, well, we had estimated that it would, it would take us about three years, but uh, with our debt lasso strategy and uh, being very, very focused, uh, we were able to pay it off in two and a half years. It, it, mind you, we were not, um, we were not making a ton of money, uh, you know, between the two of us, what our take-home pay was, was around that amount. We were, between the two of us, the amount of money we were bringing home every year was probably around $50,000, $55,000. And so we clearly had to make some significant changes to be able to pay off that amount of debt that quickly. And there were a few things that 
stand out that we did do that really well. The mm. first was that, uh, you know, at that point we were going out all the time. We were going to all the happy hours, doing all the, all the parties, uh, dining out a lot. There were some weeks when we would go grocery shopping and spend $400 on groceries, but then we would also spend $400 plus uh, dining out and mm. we didn't eat that much food. So I'm not really sure where all, all the money went. But that was one of the things that we did was we, we reined in our dining out spending and we got super meticulous with our grocery shopping. Um, for most people, that's the quickest way to save the most money is to, mm-hmm. is to get really meticulous, uh, militant about your grocery shopping. The second thing that we did was, uh, despite being very social creatures, we, we knew that we couldn't give up going out, but we did dial, uh, dial down going out as much. Uh, we stopped going out as frequently and that helped us save a lot, a lot of money. And so with both those two strategies, we were able to find more money to put towards our debt. But then lastly, we realized that we were spending $10,000 a year in credit card interest payments with that $51,000 in credit card debt. And so when you think about that, if you were to go into your boss's office tomorrow and they said they were going to give you a $10,000 raise, I mean, how would you respond to that? I mean, most people would probably fall over. be very excited. Especially in this economy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so we thought to ourselves, well, is, is there a way for us to, to, to bring that down to zero or at least cut it? Uh, and we figured out that there was a way. So we were able to lower our credit card interest rates down to zero, pretty much f- stop paying that much in, in, in credit card interest rates every year. And we had that much more money to put towards our credit card debt. And that's how nice. uh, we were able to pay it off in two and a half years. Gotcha. Okay. And that's so it. These are great. These are all the things, you know, based on what I've seen and listened to in your, your work that you all help people with and these tips and tools and the things that I think sometimes we assume that we're good with money or that we know (laughs) these things. And then you realize like, Oh shit, I don't know. I don't know anything. And no one taught me how to do anything other than like balance a checkbook, which I mean, like, I still don't know how to do that, but you know, so this <laughs> idea, <laughs> right, like, don't get me started with that. So when did debt free guys start? So well, we've hold on. We've had several iterations of this. So John can never remember this date for whatever reason. Toward, oh, towards the my. end of that two and a half years, we were done paying off our debt. We said to ourselves, between our, our personal experience as well as our professional experience, we have something here that we can help people with. Because even at that point, there were there was a, a major crisis in credit card debt in America. So we thought we could write a book, publish it, help millions and millions of people with a major problem that they have. Oprah Winfrey would invite us on her TV show. We would become millionaires. <laughs> you get a book. You get a book. You get- <laughs> Everything would be awesome. But I love that's the not- vision. <laughs> I, know. I still daydream about it too. She'll call. And that's not exactly how it works. Unfortunately, we, we had shopped our, our, our uh, book around to several different agents and we got a lot of positive feedback, but everybody rejected us because we didn't have a platform. And finally, an agent reached out to us and says, hey, guys, you're missing a component here. You need a platform, whether it's a TV show, radio show, blog, or whatever. We were naive enough to think that the platform was the book, but we didn't know anything at the time. And so (laughs) at that point, we thought, well, what is within the realm of possibility that we can create, right? We don't have connections to have a TV show, don't have connections to have a radio show. Podcasting still kind of new at that time, and we weren't that familiar with it. But we did know about blogging, so we kind of we we, we decided to start blogging. The book that we wrote and eventually published is called "The Four Principles of a Debt Free Life." So we mm. we we our first website was was Debt Free Principles, mm. and then that morphed in time. We decided to go well. That's a little bit you know 
impersonal. We decided to go with debt-free guys. And so because there have been a lot of iterations, I forget the date. <laughs> <laughs> so David which, will tell you. <laughs> which makes sense, David. It does. It does. <laughs> and you Sean shouldn't shame people, right? <laughs> right. I forget lots of stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to tell them like how to spell? The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful because I'll turn this into a therapy, a couple's therapy session. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Suddenly we have to pay for him. <laughs> right, right, exactly. See how this works. Um, so, okay. So it became debt for guys. And that's actually when I, you know, I learned of you all from my coach, Shannon McClay at oh, the financial nice. gym. So she, she was awesome. working with me and my husband at the time. And she was like, you guys need to follow these guys. And I think at the time I was like, that seemed just so amazing that you all, you know, had, had done that. And Kevin and I were like struggling so much, but yeah. So, and that was, I don't know, maybe 2015, 2016, something like that. So yeah, I that think was we, about when we went gay, right? right. We, we, <laughs> was, we actually met Shannon uh, at our very first FinCon. FinCon is a, is the conference that brings together bloggers and podcasters and, and people in the media around uh, who all deal with personal finance or finance or investing. And we went to this conference and this is when we had our kind of second aha moment. Um, we went to this conference for the very first time. And we were meeting all these different people and you could just see how they were in all these different groups, right? So there were the mommy bloggers and there were the Mm -hmm. Christian bloggers and there were the income, I'm sorry, the investing folks. And there was this really strong African-American women's community. And we just looked around and we're like, oh, okay, where are all the queer people? And there weren't. And several people said that to us. And we knew that at the conference, there were roughly around 900 attendees. And one woman um, who's a a dear friend of ours now, um, she looked at us and she just said, hey, guys, stop trying to be Dave Ramsey. He's got that covered. Your community needs your help. You need to talk to your community. And and like I said before, we were never hiding that we were gay. Um, But we said, there's no one out there. Susie Orman wasn't even out there talking about the fact that she was talking to the queer community. She has never talked to the, I don't follow her everything she says, but she never really talks about the struggles and the issues that the queer community is dealing with. Um, But we said, okay, if, if we want our community to thrive, somebody's got to start this. We might as well do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we decided to kind of blaze this trail of let's talk about the issues that our community is struggling with, especially us as gay as a gay couple, because we could address that first. Yes, thank you for stepping up and and doing that, guys. Because it's it, we're not talking about it. You know, right. I certainly know that I'm not talking about it with with friends, and and you know, you all talk about it in the podcast. But it's amazing that you were at FinCon, 900 people, and you all were like the gays. <laughs> that's what they called us too they did. I'm sure. <laughs> right. to your what's, face what's actually cool though last last year in 2019 because we could attend in person um we had a queer meetup at fincon uh so last year there were about 2200 people at the event and there were 45 people at our queer meetup who either are themselves queer and in personal finance or talking to the queer community in various ways so there's a there's a small bubble of people growing word, word. that are talking to <laughs> our community which is which is really good and, and i will That's say great. you know 
John and I are very grateful that we had the privilege to be in the position that we're in being in the first, being the first ones, um, because we do re recognize that we came from a, we do come from a place of privilege. And so, uh, we have to do use our privilege to help others. It, it, privilege is worthless if you aren't using it to help others, right? It's it, it's actually you're abusing your privilege if you're not using it in some way to help others. And so that's why we said we have to help others in whatever way we can. And we knew that there were some ways that we could, and that's by sharing our story and the information that we know. I love that. And, you know, and, and you, because you all know the struggle, I mean, you're really the real deal. And that's, you know, I, I, for me, that is what's so um important when I follow people is just like knowing that, you know, they, they know where I I am or where I've been or recovering from shame and, and things like that, or, or like paying off $50,000 debt and making $50,000 at the same time, all these things that are much more relatable than pay off debt, but you make a hundred thousand dollars a year or something like that. So, so anyway, I love the, that you all don't love that you struggled, but I love that you transformed your struggle. So let's talk about the issues, the financial challenges and issues that, that the LGBTQ community are facing. And because this is Gay Men's Life Lab, I'd, I'd like to focus a little bit on, you know, gay, bi, and queer men specifically, if, if, you, if you all are cool with that. Um, Absolutely. So you already did mention, um, John, kind of talking about this spending to compensate for shame and things like that. But what are the things that you all see are, are really the big issues that we're facing when it comes to money? Yeah, I think a lot of the same issues we face with money are a lot of the same reasons uh, we have challenges with, with, with drugs and alcohol. Money, uh, if not used wisely, can have the same adverse effect as, as, as abusing drugs and alcohol. And I think a lot of that, all of that comes from the same place, the lack of acceptance when we're younger, the desire to fit in when we're older. And But I also think there's a little bit of a twist on that too, because so many of us, especially gay men specifically, try to use our outward appearances almost in a way to prove to our younger self or to the people who, who are, uh, I don't want to say abused, hasn't necessarily physically abused, but who uh, you know bullied and, and picked on us when we were younger, almost as a way to say, see, I am as good as you, if not mm -hmm. better. Um, and regardless of what financial state that puts us in, at least I've got all the rights outward appearances. And we many of us do that in, in a number of different ways. With David and me, it was clothing and, and, and partying. But we know of a gay couple in New York City who have a penthouse, make multiple six figures a year. Uh, they are struggling to put their daughter through school because they have multiple six figures of credit card debt. Uh, we know of another gay couple who they're not the partying and clubbing gays that, that we used to be. But their way to compete in society is to make sure that their kids have all the best birthday parties and that when they send their kids to birthday parties, they have the best gifts. Mm -hmm. So we do this, this it manifests itself in, in a myriad of ways, but it's all kind of doing the same thing. It, we're all trying to make up for the past. We're all trying to uh, satiate the pain that we're dealing with. And until we sort of identify what it is that's causing our spending, we actually can't really get beyond that. And we might be able to shift the problem from spending to drugs or to alcohol or to something else, overworking, overworking out, whatever. Mm. Um, but we still have to address the problem eventually. Um, otherwise, something's going to break. Whether you're a member of the queer community or not, all of us are looking for love and acceptance, right? 
But I think for folks, especially from uh, communities where individuals have been um, discriminated against and abused both through bullying and physical abuse and cultural abuse, that we are seeking even more for that acceptance. And the easiest way for folks to get acceptance is to show that they are better in some aspect of their lives. And in America, because of the free flow of credit card debt, the easiest way to do that is to just buy that acceptance, right? I'm, I'm the gay who comes into the HRC gala with the most fabulous outfit. Everybody wants to be with me. Everybody wants to take the picture with me, right? I spent more money on the way I look than what I give to HRC during the year. I'm the gay that shows up at the party and lets everybody know that I just came from PV last month. And the month Mm -hmm. before that I was at at white party. And the month before that I was in Australia, you know, you just go through this litany of these, this is all my travel, right? We go from buying acceptance to buying acceptance in our culture. Mm. It's really strong in the gay male culture. Um, But what's up, what is interesting is you don't, like John said, you don't have to be that kind of gay. I mean, we know lesbians who are trying to prove to everyone that they're the perfect lesbians because they drive the right car, they eat the right food, they have the right number Mm. of pets, they give to the right right communities or the right charities. They just prove it, right? We are all trying to prove that we are good enough. And like John said, until we fix that inside, and sometimes just stop, stopping and taking a look at our personal finances is a good reflection of how am I trying to prove to everybody that I'm good enough? And then ask, this, ask that question, why? Why do I need to prove to everybody? Why should I, I should focus on what makes me happy. And when you focus on what makes you happy, that's when you can cut the spending. That's when you can cut the showing off. That's when you can, can really focus on the people in your life that are important. And that's not to say that there aren't systemic issues. We focus a lot on the personal side of personal finance because for most people in America, not everybody, of course, but for most people in America, we don't have an income problem. We have a spending problem. Um, Mm. And that's one of the reasons why we focus mostly on the personal finance, but there are systemic issues, right? We know that there's a sexual orientation and a gender identity pay gap. We know that LGBTQ people, especially trans folks, uh, have a higher healthcare challenges, uh, higher healthcare costs and more health care challenges. So we do have systemic issues that we have to contend with that the general population and more specifically straight white men don't necessarily need to deal with. Uh, Mm. But a lot of people's problems can be fixed if they focus on the personal side of their equation, as well as maybe eventually down the road, the, uh, the systemic side. Yeah, kind of start with that and then work your way out because those systemic issues are complex. And, and, and but I could also see, and I, I don't know if you all know the woman, I don't know her name, but she's from Bad With Money, that podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. She, she's queer identified, I think. Yes, um, she is. And she talks that I know she can have that sort of like, fuck you, capitalism kind of attitude, you know, about and I, you know, listened to her podcast for a while. And I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck that. Like, I'm just gonna like spend my money. And like, because this system doesn't support me and all that stuff. But then I'm like, Oh, wait a second, I end up screwing myself in that. So anyway, I only bring that up just because the those systemic issues, at least becoming aware of them. I mean, you may not be able to do anything about them until you deal with your own stuff, like you guys are saying, but kind of also look at how you're basically hurting yourself, which is sort of what 
the system wants you to do in a way, yeah. you know, I mean, we go down that rabbit hole, but yeah. And you've got to add like, what are you going to completely change the system? There is a possibility that you could tear down capitalism, but what is the likelihood that you as an individual or even in your lifetime that that will happen? Pretty small, but what can you control? You can control mm-hmm. what's in your circle of influence. So if you focus on that and you start to see some progress and, 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 and the message of the mission of debt free guys and the queer money podcast is more than just helping people thrive. We want to help the LGBTQ community thrive, but we believe that in order for the community to be stronger, LGBTQ individuals need to be stronger. And that also includes their finances. It's it's a 360 experience. And the stronger we are as individuals, the stronger we are as a community. And that's when we have the power to be able to change the system. Mm. And that also requires our personal financial security, which very often when we're talking about LGBTQ rights uh, and we're talking about uh, protecting our community, we don't think about the money side, our personal money side of the equation. We talk about donating to causes. We talk about going to marches. We talk about voting the right way, but we don't think about, well, how does my personal financial situation affect that, that mission? Yeah. You know, I will also add one of the things that our community and gay men are, are just, we are just like the rest of the folks in the community. We struggle with mental health issues and many folks don't realize the impact that their personal finances have on their mental health. There's been study after study after study that shows that, that people who are in debt worry about money. Uh, people who are not in debt worry about money. That worrying about money on a weekly basis affects fifty six percent of our community. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you take that to a monthly basis, it goes up to about seventy percent. So our community mm-hmm. is worrying about our finances, but we decide to fix that mental health issue with something else, like therapy shopping or therapy eating therapy drinking, right? We, therapy we, sexing, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. We, we find all sorts of other ways, but um, taking care of your personal finances, taking care of your personal financial situation, and that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're just do, trying to do better. When you try to do better with your personal finances, you start to get some relief, some mental mm-hmm. health relief, mm-hmm. um, to not have to worry about your money. You start to build confidence that you are making better decisions. They may be micro decisions, but you're making those better decisions. If we want to improve the mental health of our community, one of the best ways is for us to also improve the financial situation of our community. And there are lots of folks, roughly 75% of our community does not live below the poverty line. That's a lot of people that could focus their time and attention on improving their self, themselves financially. That will help them in lots of areas of their lives. These are such wonderful points because this is, I don't think people are thinking about this. I don't think people are realizing. I mean, certainly people may realize, oh, I'm stressed about money. It's interesting you say that because John and I always bring this up. That whether you look at Advocate or Out or Queerty or all of the gay publications, right? They're really kind of th- focused on the three Ps. And I'm going to speak from a gay male's perspective here. The three Ps are politics, pop culture, and penis, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all about who we should be or should not be voting for, who is the glamorous star we should be paying attention to, and who is the shirtless guy that we're all lusting after, right? There's nothing 
on those publications that encourage us to say, hey, just take a few minutes of your week and focus on improving your finances. Nothing yeah. out there. And that's where we all gravitate towards, right? Mm -hmm. So our community, the these leaders in our community who are trying to tell us what as a community we should be doing as a zeitgeist, where we should be moving, none of them are saying, hey, pay attention to your personal finances. They're instead saying, go out there and live fabulously. Try to be like this person or try to be like that person. Right. Right. Or like, or be an activist or be an advocate, which are all those things are great, but right. kind of to your, the point you guys are making, but if you're not right with yourself, which I know as a therapist and a coach, you know, like that's the men in my office are, you know, not okay. And they're struggling, but, and with the very things you're talking about, it's like, but, but nobody seems to care that like, I can't be struggling because nobody else seems to be struggling apparently, you <laughs> right. know, which what we know is all bullshit, but yeah, I mean, that's such a great great point that you're making David. Cause it's, I mean, that's why I wanted to create Gaiman's life lab, just a personal growth podcast where it's like, we cover everything where we can talk about money and sex and food and body. And it's not all about either entertainment or being funny or being pretty or specifically about the shit that isn't pretty. And that's messy. Cause I think that's more of what we need to be. We need to be more messy. This idea of one, working on your finances as a way to build your, I'm going to say as a way to build your self-esteem and build your self-confidence to recover your self-esteem. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know that people are making that connection. They may be seeing it separately. So that's such a good point that you guys are making. And that also you're, and I saw this in a, a social media post that you guys did that said, I'm going to read it actually. Where is it? Our personal finances impact the rest of the LGBTQI plus community and is basically what you were saying just now, John, like this idea of if you want to help the community help yourself, but I don't think people are making that connection. I don't think I make that connection with myself. Well, you know, it's um, you're a therapist. And so there are a lot of people out there saying right now, I can't afford to go to therapy. I, I just mm. don't have the money, but at the same time, they're sitting on especially if you're a millennial or a Gen Xer, you're probably sitting on anywhere from about five to $7,000 in credit card debt. Mm. At the current interest rates, you're probably paying anywhere from $100 to $150 a month just to finance that credit card debt. Mm. How many therapy sessions would that buy? Uh, <laughs> how, yeah. how much would that help I you mean, uh, yeah. to actually get the kind of mental health help that you need? But right. we don't think about it in that in that manner, right? So. Right. Yeah, it's so so interesting to be putting when you start putting the numbers together and you realize, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm throwing this money away, or I'm I'm spending kind of against myself, um, yeah. you know, or I'm buying acceptance. All these things that you all are talking about. So if somebody is in credit card debt, where do they begin with this? This what is the debt lasso method, and how do we get people getting out of debt? Sure. So. The second thing that David and I did after we had a discussion of what is it we really want in life was David went back to our computer, grabbed all of our statements for all of our accounts, checking, savings, investing, credit cards, everything. And back and then, some of them were paper. Some of them were paper. <laughs> 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 and, um, <laughs> what he did was he itemized all of our expenses for an entire 12 months mm. and bucketed those he itemized all that and bucket those in, in different buckets. And had you asked us prior to that point, 
how was our quality of life? We would have said, eh, it's okay. But when you looked at how we were spending our money, we were spending thousands and thousands of dollars on wine, even more on dining out, a whole bunch of money that we didn't have on, on clothing. And we realized, when you, to your point earlier, when you look at the numbers, we actually have a very fabulous life. We're just making a lot of stupid decisions. And so I would encourage anybody, well, we have a spending analysis that you can get at debtfreeguys.com. You can, but you can do it yourself. Just grab an Excel spreadsheet or, or whatever spreadsheet type system you use and itemize your expenses at least for, for three months, if, if not 12 months and kind of see well, where, where is your spending? And for most people, there are you know, one, two, maybe three categories that if you just dialed back a little bit, you could free up some cash to expedite paying off your credit card debt. Um, it's usually not that you have to do a completely uh, transformational change with your finances. As David said earlier, just make a few micro improvements one week after a week or one month after a month, and you'll start to see compounding the improvements in your financial situation. So our, our debt lasso method is kind of what we learned and, and it has kind of grown over the time period that we have been working with other folks. But it really is this idea that um, you can pay off your credit card debt. And it kind of breaks down into five different steps. Um, the first step is to make the commitment. And commitment is broken down into two pieces. The commitment to, I'm not going to add any more balance to my credit cards. And then the other commitment is, I'm going to send a set amount every single month to pay off my credit cards. No, I will not waver from that amount. And that amount has to be more than your minimum payments. Uh, so that's the first step is kind of making this commitment. The second step is stealing from the debt snowball method. And the debt snowball method really says, pay off your smallest balance credit card, then move to the next smallest balance, next smallest balance. Well, we say, if you can pay off a credit card in the first month or two with that committed amount that you decided in step one, then do that. Get that quick win. If you can't, move on. Step three is the lasso portion. And really the lasso portion is designed to get people to bring as much of their debt into as few locations as possible with the lowest interest rate as possible. Some folks, that means you're doing a balance transfer to another credit card where you get a zero or low interest rate offer. Some folks, that means a personal loan to pay off the all of your credit cards for to a lower interest rate. One word of caution there, Paying off with a personal loan does open up the balances of all those credit cards again. So be very careful that you stick to step one, that you commit to not adding any more balance to those credit cards or this or that lasso part will all unravel really quickly. You don't just like close, you wouldn't close all those cards either because right. then that could ding your credit, right? Correct. So you just have all this then like open credit because that could be very tempting <laughs> exactly. It does get very tempting because you do have these credit cards open with no balance on them. So you have to have to make that commitment up front. Hmm. Step four is we want you to automate everything. Automate those payments so that those payments are going out every single month for the exact same amount so that they're paying off those cards. And that makes sure that you don't miss a payment because as soon as you miss a payment, the interest rates are going to go right back up, right? Um, and then the fifth step is to monitor it. You want to keep track of everything. And of course, when a credit card gets paid off or a loan gets paid off, you can then shift the money 
over to the next loan or the next credit card so that you can continue the process. And what we have found is by utilizing this process, most folks will pay off their credit card debt much faster than the snowball or avalanche methods that everyone preaches about uh, in personal finance. And we have had this, not only did we have this ex experience ourselves, but last night we had our group therapy call, which is what, <laughs> a money therapy call, which is members of our credit card payoff plan mm -hmm. get together. One of the guys in the course started in September. It is now November, one year later, and he paid off $33,000 in, in credit card debt in just uh, in about 15 months. And so That's he amazing. is super excited. He is just one of the examples. We have multiple examples of individuals who are using this method and getting the support that they need from our community to do this. Yeah, we get a lot of questions. People say, is, is the debt lasso method just debt consolidation? And to your point earlier, no, it's not. You, know, you get these offers for these uh, zero credit, zero percent interest rate credit card offers for you know twelve to eighteen months, and a lot of people are like, oh, okay, that's gonna that's gonna help me save. I'm not gonna have to pay that interest. That'd be great. So I do the transfer. But then to your point, you know, then they they see the zero balance on those other cards and they start to rack it up again. So the consolidation really in the long run just increases their balance. And so mm -hmm. the debt lasso method is more of a, a five-step comprehensive strategy to tackle everything. And then because there are so many unique variables and questions and finance and math aren't uh, everybody's cup of tea. That's why we have the credit card payoff plan where we can guide folks through that step-by-step -step and answer all those unique questions. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this sounds, I mean, it sounds really doable when you talk about it. I'm, I'm interested in this idea of like the group, the support, because talking about the support, like does, do you all facilitate that or is like yeah, this? So uh, when we created the course, we created the, the credit card payoff plan. We knew that some people like to go through those kinds of uh, classes themselves. So it's self-paced. You can do it on your own. You have lifetime access to it. So, you know, just go at your own speed. But we know that other people like to have a little bit more hands-on approach. So we created uh, what we called a, a weekly video chat. And over the two years that we've been offering the course, the members who attend pretty regularly started to call it their money therapy because at some point you get through the course, you're implementing all the steps. And really at that point, it's just, you know, sticking with it, sticking with it, sticking with it. Well, that's when it gets hard, right? Uh, you know, it's yeah. like a diet, right? You, you, you lose a couple of pounds the first couple of weeks and all of a sudden you plateau and it's like, well, this is the hard part. I'm just going to go eat my Twinkie. Right. And so that's why we have the course or Ben and Jerry's, whatever. No <laughs> yeah, shopping, say, he doesn't right? eat Twinkies, eats Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> And so we created we created the weekly call, and it is a call that David and I facilitate. It's usually a, about an hour each each week, uh, and we 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 talk about any questions that anybody has with where they are in the course. We uh, talk about any questions that they have with their personal financial situation, but uh, most importantly, we we also talk about the challenges that they're facing, as well as uh, the wins that they're having. Mm. We think it's important to address both of those. And with COVID and with the economy and people getting laid off you know, for the last several months, we've had a lot of opportunity to talk about the challenges and help people emotionally get through that. But then we also talk about the wins and, you know, such as, uh, you know, what they were sharing last night is that they're paying off at this point, the course itself in, in, in the last two years that we know of, this is a rough estimate because people don't always share all their numbers with us, but we've been what we've been able to capture is that we've been able to help people pay off over four hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt. Mm. And, and I, just, that's amazing. 
based on our rough estimate, paying off that amount of credit card debt has put roughly anywhere from about forty to eighty thousand dollars back into the pockets of these individuals because they're not paying those interest rates anymore, right? That interest rate is not being paid out to those credit card companies or those banks. That is money that those folks are using to improve their lives and improving the lives of other people in our community. And that's why we keep on saying your personal finances affect the rest of the LGBT community, right? Because right. it allows us to give more. It allows us to have the time and the energy and the money to give to people. If we just take a pause on trying to live this amazing, fabulous life and focus on our debt for a little bit or focus on getting it, getting into a good financial situation, you don't, we're not encouraging anyone to strive to be, you know, Bill Gates or, or Jeff Bezos wealthy, right? We're just encouraging folks, do what you can in your own circle. You will then be able to affect the lives of others. Mm, what a beautiful message. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. We need a rainbow over our head. That goes, I know. Boom. I know. Well, <laughs> there's a the, couple of horns there too. I think. <laughs> of course, there are. Well, that I mean, that's a part of what I love about doing this podcast and being able to talk to gay and queer people, and, and specifically men, mostly. I mean, although we did have a woman on uh, recently, is that there's just such a like of all the struggles that we have as a community and all the, you know, and I know in the last podcast, you guys talked about stereotypes and, you know, and, and kind of this one that we hear a lot of like, Oh, you know, gay men are catty and we're, you know, we're, we're um, even some of the things we talked about today, like status, the, the, you know, the focus on status and all those are problems that obviously we need to work on and solve. And then there's also just this like beaming love that you know we have inside of us and so i love the fact that you all are are bringing that in the context of of money and encouraging others to then heal and and do that too because i think that's such a big part of our journey as gay bi and queer people and and lesbians and trans people is that i really do think we are like the like models of love and acceptance and generosity but we obviously have to do our own work and, and deal with our own shit. I, I really love that. Is there anything that you all want to, anything we haven't covered that you all want to share with listeners about debtfreeguys.com, about getting your personal finances in order? Yeah. <laughs> so I would, I would start with, remember when you came out whether that was to yourself or your family or to your friends. Remember when you came out, that, that weight that kind of lifted off of you, right? For me, I just felt like I was suffocating, like somebody had their foot on my chest. And when I came out, uh, it was extremely scary and I lost my family because of it. But I, I, the, my life has changed dramatically because of that. I have so much more happiness and joy and some amazing experiences in my life because I came out and I'm living my true self, right? When we come out about our money, when we start living the money story we are supposed to be living, not the one that our parents told us, not the one that society tells us, we can start to breathe again. And so, Think about that. If you want to change, and there are, I know that there are probably lots of people who are listening to this that um, are not in debt. If you're not in debt, that doesn't mean that your personal finances don't need some attention. Mm. Think about how your life could be thriving and changing others' lives if you did the same thing as well. 
Yeah, two summers ago, 2019, when it was possible, we did the first Crib Money Live tour. And the basic premise of that entire tour was to get the queer community to start talking about money. We're not asking you to, to, to dive into spreadsheets and do all sorts of math. Just, just, just start talking about money. Uh, Honeyfy, which is an app that helps couples budget money together, all, all types of couples, not just gay. And they did a study a couple of years ago that found that gay couples who talk about money are 78% more likely to report having a better sex life than those who don't talk about money. So if for no other reason, (laughs) (laughs) that's all, that's, that's all we need to know, you know, really (laughs) start talking about money and you're going to have better sex. (laughs) And there you go. Nice talking with you guys. Bye. (laughs) I didn't necessarily say that sex was with your partner though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Oh, that's fine too. This is, yeah. Oh, that's, that's really such a great point. But this is again, and this is, I love that this has been the theme of, money and our relationships to money are so connected to all these other parts of us and our relationships and sex and, you know, um, giving back. So um, I'm so glad that you all came on and and shared your wisdom and your experience and your story with us, because these things to your point are, are not, not being talked about enough. And and so obviously as, as queer people, we're a lot of our issues are rooted in silence and suffering. And so coming out around money is, is a beautiful way to think about it. So, and I also just to make clear you all, while you focus on getting out of debt, uh, you also do to your point, David focus on investing and saving and those things are covered and certainly in the podcast. And I would imagine in the other offerings as well. So, you know, exactly. for listeners to, to know that there's lots of, obviously there's lots of personal finance, David and John, thank you so much for coming on Gayman's Life Lab. This has been awesome. And I really, I, maybe I hope you guys will come back and, and talk with us again. Be well, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank, thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Gayman's Life Lab. If you liked what you heard, I'd love for you to head over to iTunes and subscribe. While you're there, please consider giving the show a quick rating and maybe share an episode with your friends, loved ones, and colleagues. And if you want more information, visit buckdotson.com, find me on Instagram and Facebook at at buckdotsoncoaching, and on my YouTube channel, Coaching and Counseling. And remember that personal growth and creating the life, relationships, and work you want as a gay man is a process, so take one step at a time, rest when you need it, show yourself compassion, and ask for help along the way. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.